Well, I think today's going to be fun, although some days I get up here and the crowd is a little bit unenthusiastic. I would think that the break in the heat would be a reason for celebration, at least a little bit, or to be excited, but uh, we'll, we'll see. But we're in the second week of this series called Sticks and Stones, and we're talking about how we talk. And last week, as we started the series, we kind of just kind of launched in with the big idea for the series that our words have tremendous power. My words have tremendous power. Your words have tremendous power. That the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, really isn't true. Because sometimes we'd rather have the broken bones than the hurtful things people have said to us. And so we have to understand that as human beings, and for those of us who are believers in Christ, we have a responsibility to use our words wisely. God has given us this powerful gift with our words, and so we must use these words responsibly to build up the cause of Christ, not to demean others, not to hurt others, not to just brag about ourselves and build ourselves up. That's not why God gave us those words. Now, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs has a lot to say about how we talk, and so that's kind of where we started last week, um, because as I was noticing, or walking through the book of Proverbs and just kind of paying attention to the statements on words or uh, how we use our mouths or how we use our tongues, all of that stuff, um, I found a couple different things that popped up. Last week, what we talked about was the connection between words and the phrase life and death. That comes up a lot in Proverbs. Well, today, uh, the other connection I saw was the connection between words and wise people and foolish people. Uh, the book of Proverbs was written by, most of it, by a guy named Solomon, who was a king of ancient Israel and the wisest person to ever live outside of Jesus. And Solomon loved to talk about wise people versus foolish people. And a lot of the book of Proverbs is just these tiny little fortune cookie type one-liners that are incredibly wise. And a lot of the ones that compare wise people and foolish people, it'll simply be something to the effect of, here's what wise people do, here's what fools do. And that's how it sets it up. And so it compares them a lot. And so today we're going to talk about how fools talk. And Proverbs has a lot to say about what makes a fool a fool. Now, but before we get into what fools say, I want to make sure we are all on the same page as to what is a fool. And one of my favorite verses that I think just gives you a nice little snapshot of what a fool is, is in Proverbs 26.11. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats their folly. Folly is simply foolishness in action, okay? So as a dog returns to their vomit, so a fool repeats their folly. Now, if anybody who has ever had a dog has seen this play out, and if you have not seen it with your own eyes, you have heard it play out. Because who hasn't been a dog owner, been woken up at two in the morning by that sound of their dog retching? And you think, do I go deal with it now? Or just try not to remember to step in it in the morning, you know? And then a few minutes later, as you're trying to decide, do I get out of bed in the middle of the night to clean this up? Then after the gagging, then you hear, and you think, oh, good, he took care of it. Now I don't have to worry about it anymore. Okay? It says that picture is what fools do. Okay? The reason anybody throws up is because your body has deemed that thing in your stomach not good for you. And so the dog's body expels that thing that is not good, and the dog, having no sense, goes right back to that thing that its body just said, you didn't need this in you. 
Fools will do things, say things that are painful, that are destructive, and they just keep doing that on repeat. In fact, that's what makes uh, the life of a fool so painful to watch, is that they do dumb things on repeat. And if it's somebody that you love, it can be painful to watch them live and do stupid things and dumb things on repeat. And if it's somebody maybe that you kind of know or, or it's a friend and you just get frustrated because you're like, do they never learn? No, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a, a fool repeats their folly. And maybe you're sitting here thinking today, you know what, this sermon's not for me because I'm not a fool. You know what? That's exactly what a fool would say. Because fools never realize that they're fools. Otherwise, if they caught on for a second that they were foolish, they might think, maybe I should do something different. But that's the one thing fools almost never come to. They never realize, I'm foolish, I should change my ways. They think it's everybody else that's wrong. It's the world that's out to get them. It's other people that are terrorizing their life rather than their own poor choices. And so I want to just encourage you, everybody in the room, listen to this, pay attention. How about let's just all start from the simple fact that maybe we should just assume we're fools. Because it's way better to assume that you're foolish and try to learn something than to assume that you are wise and decide you've got nothing to learn. Because one of you, fools always think they're wise, by the way. Fools always think they're wise. That's part of the problem. So let's talk about the danger of fools and their words. First thing, fools hurt themselves with their words. We don't even have to get into necessarily what fools do to other people with their words. Fools hurt themselves with their words. A fool is their own worst enemy. Nobody is more cruel to a fool than they are. That rhymes. I didn't mean for that, but hey, there you go. Um, Proverbs 14.3 says, By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Proverbs 18, 6 and 7 says, A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. My favorite line in that is, his mouth invites a beating. Because we have all, we have all heard that person talking, like, they are going to get punched in the face if they keep saying stuff like that. We all know that person. That's why I love Proverbs. It was written thousands of years ago, and it's still so incredibly true. And again, no one has hurt a fool more than themselves. Whether it was through well-intended yet misguided empty promises, whether it was through them bragging about how awesome they are to everybody, whether it was through trash-talking, whether it was through always walking around and stirring up drama in whatever area of life they possibly could, whatever it is, a fool will hurt themselves and get themselves into trouble with pain. They will ask for people to hurt them and to punish them. Uh, I remember when I was in, actually I think kindergarten is, is when this uh, kid, he was in my class forever. Uh, his name was Jason, which by the way, people always ask us if we have another kid, if we'll keep the J theme, James, Jude. It, I can tell you this, it won't be Jason. Okay, no offense to Jason Bandolo, you're a solid guy, but the name has been ruined for me. I went to school with this kid from, I think, kindergarten on, and his name was Jason, and he was, it was interesting to watch, because even as a kid, I was just like, there's something up with that guy, something's wrong, something's, he's, he's, he just, he was always mean, he was always cruel, he's always mouthing off to people, teachers, he was always in trouble, and now, now that I'm 33 years old, and I can uh, occasionally come across stories about him in my hometown newspaper, about the time he is spending behind bars because he never stopped doing foolish 
things. He just kept returning to that vomit, you know. And so he, I went to school with him from kindergarten on. And in fifth grade, I remember he broke his arm. And it was a really bad break. He was, he, his parents got him a moped, and he was bragging about how awesome he could ride this moped. And he went to peel out in some rocks and flip the bike over. And it was one of those breaks where his arm was like backwards, and his hand was where it shouldn't have been, you know. And so he had to have surgery and pins. And then he got one of those big old hard, heavy hard casts from his shoulder down to his fingertips. And we were in class one day, and it was some sort of a room party, I remember, because everybody was up and having snacks and walking around and talking, and parents were there, and his mom was there, I remember that. And so he walks up to the biggest guy in our class and starts mouthing off to him. And after a minute, the big kid got tired of it, and he said, do you want me to hurt you? And Jason just said, you can't hurt me. I got a cast on. My arm's broken. You can't do anything to me. And then proceeds to start, like, knocking the kid in the back of the head with this broken arm. Not hard, obviously, but just, kind of, like, just enough to that cast that was just, like, taunting him and, and going, you can't hurt me. You can't do anything to me. And finally that kid said, want to bet? Turned around his chair, grabbed the broken hand, or the arm, on the, the hand on the broken and turned his hand up and behind his back, and he folded like a lawn chair and starts screaming on the floor, and his mom runs over, you know, and it was the big kid's fault, of course, and everyone else is sitting there going, oh, 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 oh. and nobody felt sorry for him, because his own mouth got him into that situation. He invited that beating on himself, and it was so painful to feel sorry for him, because he did it to himself, and his whole life Life was like that, watching him all the way through school. And so fools will never hurt anyone else more than they hurt themselves. And that's part of the pain of being a fool. Another thing about fools is that their words can't be trusted. You cannot trust the advice of a fool. One thing about the society we live in, we mentioned this last week, is that, <coughs> excuse me, is that because of social media, everyone has a platform they can stand on. Everyone has a place now where they can air their opinions, air their grievances, air whatever they want. And I think that that has given us this false impression that everybody's opinion is equally valid. That is not true. Not everyone's opinion should carry equal weight on every topic. For instance, I am not a very politically minded person. You should not take my advice on politics because I'm not very well informed. So my opinion is less weighty, less important on political topics than maybe somebody who knows the workings of government on the local, state, and national level. Okay? That's just an example about me. There are tons of cases. I'm going to listen to a doctor more about what might be wrong with me than some blog I read. There's a difference. Not everybody's opinions should be equally weighed. And so we live in this world where everyone thinks they have this platform now to give, an, give advice. And fools will give you advice all day long. But that does not mean that we have to listen to it. Just because somebody tells you what you should do, that does not mean it is the right choice. Uh, it says in Proverbs 15.2, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Uh, the word pour out there, um, that usually described something they have in Israel called a wadi. A wadi is a little ravine or valley that is dry almost all of the year. And then in the rainy season, the rain has nowhere to go, and so it rushes into these wadis. And they're not quite big enough to be rivers, but they're not quite small enough to be streams. So they're kind of an in-between. They're a big stream, and they 
the pictures you look at online, they're like uh, little tiny raging rapids. I mean, the water just flooding through these things. And so, which it, it kind of, as I was reading this afresh this morning after getting drenched the other night, okay, it made this seem, oh, okay, when water just kind of comes out of nowhere, okay, it's saying when a fool opens their mouth, anytime a fool opens their mouth, just stupidity gushes out, okay, foolishness just can't help itself. There's so much in their head, it just pours out their mouth. That's the word picture that we are getting here with the, with the way this, this is being described. In fact, they are so lacking in knowledge. Proverbs 10.21, it says, The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Meaning, people who are righteous, who are wise and have sense, they've got so much sense, they can keep their own life in order, and they can be someone who can mentor and give advice to other people. But a fool is starving for sense, so much so that they cannot even take care of themselves. So a wise person has so much that they can kind of spread around and be helpful, but a fool can't even take care of their own life. They are drowning, or or, sorry, lacking in sense and wisdom. And that's why Proverbs 14, 7 says, Stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. And I think that tells us two things. One, we don't want to get our advice from a fool. We don't want the main source of information and guidance and wisdom pouring into our lives to be from fools. And secondly, it tells us we don't want to be a fool, right? There is only one person that Proverbs said is worse off than a fool. That means when it comes to people who are in a bad situation, a fool is just this close to the top of the list. In fact, here's the person who is the only person that Proverbs said is worse off than a fool. Proverbs 29.20. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than them. Uh, someone who speaks in haste is someone who doesn't think before they speak. When I was a kid, one year I asked my brother, what would you like for Christmas? And he said, I would like a new Beavis and Butthead calendar. And without even breathing, I said, what year? You might catch that later. But, I mean, obviously, what, what, what a dumb dumb question, and the word just flew out of my mouth, and here's what's so dangerous about somebody who doesn't think before they speak, is that they are so self-absorbed, they are more concerned with being heard than they are hearing, they are more concerned about saying something than they are listening to anyone, that's what's even more dangerous than being a fool, if I had taken even a moment, a moment to think, I would have, one, realized my brother needs better taste in TV shows, and two, Obviously, he wanted a calendar for the upcoming year for Christmas. Can you even buy calendars for other years when you go places? No, and I knew that. Like, I was a kid, but I wasn't that little. Like, I was at an embarrassing age to say something like that. And my brother, to this day, will remind me of it from time to time, okay? And that is the trouble with letting your brain be trained to form sentences before it forms thoughts, we got to be careful with that. Words, again, are powerful. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. That's why words are so powerful that silence 
also becomes powerful. Control over words, whether they are said or whether they are withheld, that is a powerful tool at my disposal and your disposal. That we can command our lives in very powerful ways by what we say and also by what we choose not to say. Showing restraint is a powerful tool that far too often we do not use because we have so many avenues to either say words or type them or whatever, email them, text them. It's just an endless cycle of ways we can communicate with people now. Uh, after last week's sermon, Brad came up to me at the, after the service, and he shared with me a very, very, very good quote. It says this, I am the master of my unspoken words and a slave to those which should have remained unsaid. I am a master of my unspoken words and a slave to those which should have remained unsaid. Meaning, once they are out of my mouth, they're there. If I've said something hurtful to somebody, it's done. i got to live with the consequences. I'm a slave to what I have said. If I've made a foolish promise that I can't really deliver on, too late. It's out, it's out there. I've got to deal with the consequences of my words. But any word that I choose not to say, I'm the master of those words. I'm a master of anything that I have chosen to withhold. I can control whether or not it has power in someone's life, or I can just withhold that power because I have learned when to open my mouth and when to shut my mouth. Now, I don't think I have really actually gained that ability. I have preached a lot of sermons. I've been preaching for like 12 and a half years almost every Sunday. That's a lot of hours, and what I have tried to do most of the time is to preach the wisdom of the gospel, but that leaves me six days plus, a, plus you know, everything but about a half an hour of a day Okay, so a whole week minus half an hour full of words that are foolish and stupid and dumb and hurtful and careless. So as much as I want to stand up here and, and say that I can do this all the time, I do not do this as often as I would like. And by the way, this quote, I tried to find out who said it, and I couldn't. So as far as I'm concerned, that's Brad Owens right there. So <laughs> he's the wisest guy right here for that one. Now, Again, as much as I'd like to think that I'm not a fool, there are times when I must admit that I do foolish things and say foolish things. And none of us in this room are perfectly wise. There are times when we would like to say, I'm not a fool, and I don't want to wear that name tag of, hi, I'm a fool. I don't want to wear that, and you probably don't either. But we all have times, no matter how hard we try, where we slip and we slide back into foolish ways of doing things. And so, we have hurt ourselves with our words. We have hurt others with our words. We have been more eager to be heard than to hear, and we have lacked the sense to understand the power of silence. And so I think we all need to pay specific attention to these powerful, powerful proverbs, there we go, as they tell us what fools say. Because sometimes I read those and I'm like, hmm, that's maybe talking to me. And, you know, none of those verses are overly hopeful. You know, you might think, okay, great. Does there is it say anything good about the fool in Proverbs? Is there any good redeeming verse about the fool? Please tell me, Anthony, there's something in there that says, here's how a fool can change his ways. But you know what? There's not. Because more often than not, fools return to their folly like a dog returns to the barf. I thought I'd change it up with a new word there. Every time I said vomit, Lana cringed a little bit back there, I understand. Uh, so barf is so much better, right? Yeah, isn't that good? <laughs> 
Yeah. But as a fool returns, that's, that's the problem with a fool. And so I think we all just start from that place where we understand maybe I'm foolish and maybe this is for me and maybe I need to do better about carrying my words. And you know what? If you do have such a powerful tool at your disposal, should you ever stop respecting the power of that tool? Any good hunter knows, even though I've been doing this for years, I still respect what I've got in my hands. I still respect the weapon that is in my hands. We can't ever stop realizing the power of our words. But even though Proverbs doesn't contain too much hope for the fools, there is hope for fools, by the way. And the hope is Jesus. That's not very shocking, hopefully, since you are at church. But the thing is that Jesus loves the fool. And that should be very encouraging to a lot of us because I have spent much of my life feeling like a fool. And to know that Jesus loves fools, I find that incredibly encouraging. And if you don't believe me, read any one of the Gospels and just pay attention to a guy named Peter. Peter cannot keep his mouth shut. He says dumb thing after dumb thing after dumb thing to the point where finally Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. If God ever calls you Satan, that's a pretty solid insult. So he says, get behind me, Satan. So pay attention to Peter. Peter was a fool, and yet Jesus loved him. Jesus invested in him. Jesus taught him. Jesus walked with him. And then after Jesus died and rose from the grave and sent his Holy Spirit, we look at the rest of the story, and Peter becomes one of the most powerful ministers of the gospel ever because there was hope for even somebody who was foolish, and that hope is in Christ because, you see, Jesus, when he died on the cross, I said this, uh, I think, when we started, he did not just want to get us entrance into heaven. He wanted to so break the hold of sin on our lives that we could have some change in this life so that we could leave behind our dumb choices in this life. And so Jesus commands us to follow him. We become believers, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he calls us to follow him. That means walk like him, live like him, talk like him. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us do that. And so we can, day by day, as we walk, become more and more like Jesus. And so even though I am up here a self-proclaimed fool, by day by day, as I walk with Jesus, as I study Scripture, and as I lean on Him, He helps me to be less and less of a fool. And some days I decide to ignore everything He says and say things that are dumb anyway, and so do you. But that does not mean that there is no hope for the fool. So even for the fool, there's hope for us in Jesus. Even when we uh, use some of the most powerful, one of the most powerful tools we have, our words, to hurt others and hurt ourselves, there is still hope for us in Jesus. Jesus looked at our entire lives, and he did not die for you on your best day. He died for you because of your worst day. He saw that you would have days where you would be so lost, you were desperately in need of salvation. And that's why Jesus came. He died for us on our worst days. He saw your entire life before you ever breathed a single breath. He knew your conquests and he knew your failures. And he came for you as you are. And there's hope for us in Jesus. And so we can look at our past, whether it's foolish, whether it's sinful, whether it's hurtful, whether it's evil, and we can have change and freedom from that past to walk a new life in Christ. And that is the hope of the gospel that applies even to fools. And so now we're going to move into our, our communion time, if our servers would please go prepare to serve. And as we do so, I want to encourage you to take communion today with a sense of hope, because the gospel, it's hopeful. I mean, because when I fail over and over and over again, I can get pretty down on myself. And probably you can too. And I can think, why can't I get it together? But then there is hope 
for us in Jesus. There was hope that no matter how bad I am at following him some days, he still loves me. He is still for me. And as I said earlier, I've been preaching a lot of hours in, in, my last, in the last decade of my life, but I have still accumulated more foolish sayings than wise sayings. And, <clears throat> excuse me, but I can still be hopeful that even though I say more dumb things still as a semi barely starting to be seasoned preacher, I, can, I say more foolish things than wise things. I can still have hope in Christ that is every day as I try to follow him, he's growing me. He's leading me to something new. And if you are a believer in Jesus and you are clinging to him and you are leaning on him, he's doing that same thing for you. He's growing you every day as well. And so as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, it doesn't hurt to look back at who you were on your worst and who he's hoping to make you to be and take communion with hope and with deep, deep gratitude for the life that he's trying to give us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time to take communion and remember. I thank you for this weekly little ceremony that we uh, walk into where we get to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, his, that his body was broken for us, that his blood was poured out for us, that, that though each of us deserved death for our crimes of sin and disobedience against you, Jesus took that death penalty so that we could be free. And I pray that we would be people who are filled with hope, that this gospel would be something that is beautiful to us every day, that as years go by and we realize that you have changed us slowly but surely, you've given us new life, you've broken sin's hold on our lives, slowly but surely, I pray that we would be rejoicing in the work that you have done in our lives and we would have hope of the place that you are taking us, a place where we can hopefully one day walk and be and talk like Jesus. Thank you for the fact that he broke the chains of sin, the hold that sin has in our lives, so that we could talk in ways that were wise. We could speak life and wisdom rather than death and foolishness to people. Thank you for the fact that even those of us, no matter how hopeless and lost we've been at certain points, we can have a new life, a new hope, a new path through Jesus. Let us never lose that awe Let us never lose that awe-inspiring message that with Christ, anyone can have new hope. And so I pray that as we take communion today, we do so not overly somber, but rejoicing, not in in a state where we bow our heads in sadness, but where we are looking to you in joy because we realize that our hope is in you, you are our salvation, and we are glad of it, and we never get tired of hearing about it. Thank you for this time of communion. May we every week count it as a blessed time as, our, as a church gathering. We pray all this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.